On this episode of Year One, we speak to Shida, co-founder of Flowgen, an application that helps creators exchange knowledge with the audience in an unpolished way. Shida takes us on a journey from full-time employment to freelancing, entrepreneurship, and finally a relocation to create opportunities for a business to grow. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early-stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So, without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. Shaden, so the very first question that we ask everyone who comes to this podcast is, what was that moment that you realized that you are an entrepreneur, you want to do your own thing, you don't want to work for a boss, you want to calm your own way? What was that? What happened in your life? Yeah, sure. So, I was working in a startup. It was a food ordering platform back in Iran. And I was a data analyst back then in the startup. So I was like doing projects for different teams to help them to gather the data that they wanted. And I visualized it for them. So, but basically I was like one person in the team. So I actually created the data analysis team, the BI team for the startup. And when I was doing my work and I was like in persuading teams to use the work that I was doing with the dashboard that I was preparing for them, the visualizations and all the data that was on the dashboard. And I saw that they are not actually using it. They don't get it. So, and when I was like moving forward with the job, I realized that um, this is not what I'm going to do with my life because Someone always has, someone always tells me that, okay, this is your task or this is a project that we want to move forward with. But at the end of the day, I realized that my, the output of my work is not really being in use in the company. So that was like the moment when I realized that I really don't want to pursue this path. So, uh, that was the aha moment for me, but the other complimentary moment was when my sister told me that Shada, we are good at doing market research. We are good at finding the right opportunities in the market, which can uh, be turned into a startup idea. So why don't we like do this path for our career? Why don't we like become freelancers to help other people to come up with the right idea and to kickstart their startup? So that's gave me the courage to leave my job that I can and then become freelancer. And the other thing that really helped me as well was that I was living with my parents. So I wasn't really going to be worried about my bills. And you know, so I was like making money for, you know, just saving it and for the sake of making money as a, like a teenager or something. So yeah, I think that all these three factors helped me to not to be scared and to just you know, do, be my own boss or you know, be self. I love that. Like the courage part. Sorry, Dion, go ahead. No, I agree with you. The reference to courage is really important, but I, you ask your question first. I know you had a question. I want to, I want to circle back. Yeah, we come from similar family cultures, South Indian, yeah. Iranian. And when you said you have, your sister gave you the courage to pursue entrepreneurship, but we're groomed from the very birth to go to school, study, 
look for the career, get that nine to five. So why was your sister such an impactful sort of voice in your head? And how did the other family members that you're living with react to that? Yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, actually when I see, when I like realize that the whole family, I mean, my whole family, they are all like entrepreneurs in, in their own way. So for example, like my uncles, they have their own small business for printing and helping other companies to print their, I don't know, whatever. And also my father, he is, he now has a dental, dental floss, yeah, I guess, yeah, dental floss manufacturer. So any, anyone in my family has that mindset that they want to create something small, but they want to have own it themselves. So build an asset and then just grow it. And even if it, my, my father, he always tells us this story, the, a lot of stories about a lot of things that he has done and he got, he failed at them. And he was a really, he was a real side hustler when he was like, he was really young and 20 years or something. So he used to go down to a lot of cities in Iran and doing a lot of repairing stuff like the machines or yeah, that kind. So he was like a really hands up, hands on person. And he wasn't really afraid of doing things that was interesting for him. So I think uh, I have grown with that mindset that I'm not really scared of doing things that inspire me or yeah, things that are not really like normal or look like a nine to five job. So, and always my father tells us that, okay, you live once, you have to build something for your own. And yeah, so I guess he was the real inspirer, but when my sister encouraged me, I was, I had the energy in my, in, I, I felt the energy in me that, okay, I can do it. So Satish, I've got a question for you. Turn it on its head. So Shada just said she could she brought up in a home where everyone is on top of me. They had this entrepreneurial spirit. They went out, they did things. The dad mentioned he failed so many times, but he went on, he persevered. And that was, so Shada grew, grew up in this environment where, like you yourself said, you weren't scared of taking risks because this was normal. This was happening around you. So Tish, now I'm going to you. You were brought up in a home like that. So you had your concerns, the concern about failure and things like that. So my question is, had you grown up in a home where that was encouraged and things like that, would that have changed your trajectory in your own life? That's a good question, man. And rarely look back because there's so many variables that sort of impact what could have happened or couldn't have happened. But I think what's really unique about Shader and my experience is both dads talked about failure from a different perspective. So my family is the number one rice factory in India. Okay. And you talk about selling rice in India, that's like ice to Eskimo. Everybody eats rice every day. It's like the, it's like the number one staple. Yet my grandfather is a horrible businessman and he didn't understand the Epsom flow of the rice market. When does it harvest? When do you plant? And so when you make a lot of money, he'll be the baller. He'll donate, give money away to people that didn't have any money. And then when everything is down, his family suffers. So my dad's vision of entrepreneurship is 
you give and the world never gives anything back to you, this is the worst plan ever. And so all of the stuff that I felt as anger and hatred and et cetera was not because he didn't think entrepreneurship is good. The blueprint that he had of what failure meant was starving family, starving siblings. He had to grow up faster now because he had to get the stable income. And so when you mature out of necessity, it creates a different pain point for you, right? And so for him, this is what you're going to go through, Satish, because you can't take care of your family. You can't take care of your kids. I brought you to Canada. Why don't you become an engineer? Get a nine to five. It's stable. Protect your family. You know what I mean? And so I loved how your environment took the same narrative and positioned it in a different way. And it allowed you to mature from positivity and me from a screw you, F you, I'm going to do it anyways mindset. And that's why I ask that question, Satish, because just listening to that, there is a duty on us as parents then to actually make sure that the narrative that we convey to our children is a positive one. To actually put that positive spin on failure, put the positive spin on risk taking, things like that. Because we can, we impact what actually happens to our children, what happens to the next generation. So that's why I was fascinated by what you were saying and then just listening to the complete contrast in your upbringing itself. Yeah. And maybe show you there's a follow up. I saw this on TikTok. I'm a new TikTok guy. I'm, I, I learned life lessons from TikTok. Steve Harvey said, you can take the seed of an oak tree. And we all know how massive an oak tree is. And he put it inside a little planter. It doesn't grow bigger than the planter. Even though by default, an oak tree is supposed to be massive and huge and hundreds of years old. And he says, it's not the seeds issue. It's the environment that is planted in. So you coming from where you're coming from and being an entrepreneur, being a female entrepreneur, being in a new country, being in the tech space, how much of your plant, your pot, your soil has empowered you to take on the world? That's an interesting question because uh, I actually, the main reason that I moved to Canada was that in my home country, there wasn't any proper infrastructure for entrepreneurs to grow. So, but by infrastructure, like government support or and also the population of our country is like 80 million people. But when I like moved to another country, like I have now access to US as well. So the whole North America is where I can access now. And also, so here is like a very entrepreneur friendlier country. And also because of the sanctions, I didn't have access to international payments, credit cards, Visa, MasterCard. So that was like the real problem there. So that exactly as what you said, I try to change my environment so that I can take bigger risks. So currently it's really, I think that the decision that I made is kind of can be stupid because now I'm in Canada with closed work permits. So I cannot work for any other employer here, only on my startup. And now I'm, I'm on my savings for six months and my startup is generating revenue, but in real currency, which is Iran's currency, not in dollars, but my spendings are in dollars. Right. 
Yeah. So I'm just asking now I'm using the help of my friends here because I have some Iranian friends here to just staying in their place. And, and also I'm like spending as little as possible to just survive here. But I also have a limit for myself that, okay, I'm going to work on Flojin for several months to make it, to generate revenue, to have, to show me something promising so that I can keep working on it. But if I don't, if I get failed, I can think of something else. I can do like freelance job again, like the past. So I think that taking risks without thinking of it further through is like a really dumb thing to do. You have to take risks, but you have to have a limit for yourself for the t- risks that you take. If you like take risks that scares you at night and you can go to sleep because of that stress, that's bullshit. That, you shouldn't do that. That's not really healthy. But the risk that can make you move forward, but you have a plan B that you won't, you won't end up in the streets, <laughs> that, uh, but you have an environment which you can, you can fulfill whatever, is, uh, whatever it is on your mind. I think that is the healthiest risk that anyone can take. So I think that I forgot what your initial question was, but. No, I think you answered it. Yeah, well, it's the fact yeah. that you changed your pot. You know, you change your yeah, pot. Change my pot. Yeah. And you said this pot is not big enough for my oak tree, for flojin, for my big idea. So to give it a chance to even survive, I have to go somewhere where the pot's bigger and the land yeah. is more fertile. I'm I'm still on this tree thing because it's National Tree Day today. So it's good. Actually, today is also Iranian's New Year's. Okay. Happy, happy early New Year. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So Shana, I need to actually ask you, we've been speaking for quite a while now, but our listeners don't even know anything about Flojin. So tell us what Flojin, give us the elevator pitch. What do you do? What problem do you solve and how did it come about? Sure. So Flojin is a platform for uh, anyone who has a knowledge or experience that they want to share, that they want to create content about, to record it as as easy as recording a voice message in the platform, make a playlist, put a price on it and make a membership business. So for example, if you are like, I don't know, if you are a startup founder, if you are even a coach, a, I don't know, a, a career coach or yeah. So um, you, and you, you are not a regular content creator. You're not a YouTuber, podcaster, writer. But you just want to share your expertise, your knowledge to people. So we have provided that. We help you to record your voice, small voices. It can be as big as one hour as well. And you can put it in that platform and yeah, surprise it or even create a membership. So for example, anyone who subscribes to your thing, they can get access to different like playlists. So... Yeah. So basically I say that you can create a service-based business out of your knowledge with creating audio content. So this is like the one-liner pitch. Yeah. I think that's the elevator pitch. (laughs) So I just want to repeat it back because I'm fascinated by this app. Because when I looked at your LinkedIn, I was like, wait, this sounds like the easiest course development tool ever invented. And then I was like, how easy it is. So I'll give you a real example. Okay. So I run a music company and I've got thousands of musicians that follow me for information. So 
I can now say, hey, follow me on Flowgen. And for $2.99 a month, every single day, I'm releasing new content around music and marketing. Exactly. Things that I'm not planning. I'm at the gym and I think, oh, if you did this, it'd be a really cool idea. I can record it and publish it. And now all my listeners have access to my thought library. Exactly. The thought library term is exactly what I was looking for. So yeah, it's we're looking for making it as easy as possible for you to share your knowledge without the hassle of editing, sound effects, and all those things for podcasting. But yeah, the easiest way to just grab your phone, share your thoughts, and get shared with the audience that you have on Slowgen. And if that's something that you want to pursue as a part-time job for yourself, you can also charge it as, charge your audience as well. So uh, exactly as you mentioned, for example, people are now using Slowgen for different things. For example, actually my sister, my co-founder, she tested Slowgen with creating an audio course for her audience and it worked really well. So she charged like $15 per month for sharing what she has learned about building an audience for a year because she was researching about it. And so it worked like this way. So she recorded uh, two or three 15 minutes audio books on Plogen. And also she, she was like testing out different things to offer to her audience. For example, sometimes she announced that, okay, guys, for this week, I'm going to put a calendar here, Calendly here. So you can book like a one-on-one with me or for a bonus of you listening to me, I have put this link on the, on, on my Flowgen that you can join this group meeting. So she was testing out how she can engage the audience as well. But yeah, the whole idea was sharing her idea in a very casual way, but yeah, in a way that people can consume it very easily. So I think she earned like uh, $500 um, per month as well. We doing that. That's good. Uh, 40 people joined her. Yeah. It was really cool. So she did it for three months now. That is very cool. Hey, could I ask you, so there's a lot of people out there that are in the process as year one, so it's people early into the process. There might actually be people sitting there that want to start a business, but don't actually know how to take it forward. You've gone into the app space. Can you just talk us through how did it from idea generation, how did you come up with the idea? What problem were you trying to solve? Then take us through the journey of doing a prototype and things like that. Where you went to go find the information that you're looking for. How did you do the market research? Because I'm sure people out there who have this idea of doing something, but they don't know where to start, would be fascinated with that journey. Hmm. And people that are first-time app companies, yeah, about how do I hire a team, most likely in India, to build an app and it's going to suck up all my money. That's it. We would love for you to share some insights. Sure. So the first question was, how did I came up with the idea with my team, of course? So the initial problem that we tried to solve was that there are a lot of people in the world that they have great knowledge. They have great expertise and it's not only related to their profession. It can be some ex- like experiences in life that must be shared, but it's not being shared now. For example, for example, if you are like a parent 
and you are working full time and you are going to have a baby for the first time, this is your first baby, you need to know more about the experience of the same person who has been through the same journey, but they don't have the time to share it with people. They're not bloggers or they're not YouTubers. So I, the first problem that I wanted to solve was to make it as easy as recording a voice message to your friend, sharing what you know about that problem, what you have been going through that, that process and and make it accessible to anyone with the same exact question in mind that, okay, well, how should I be a parent with these kind of limitations? So that was the first thing that I was really passionate to solve. But I started first doing market research that, okay, how, what are the startups out there that are kind of in this field and has anyone solved this problem before or not? So, so I was specifically looking for apps or websites that are audio focused because I'm really bullish on audio because I think it's the easiest way to share your expertise. And also I wanted to find something that helps people to share their experience without the hassle of editing their voice or creating a very structured like podcast because these people that I'm talking about are not podcasters. They're regular people or they're experienced people that don't have time to create podcasts. So, so I started looking for startups that are active in audio. Back then in 2020, uh, there were really few startups working on audio. So Clubhouse was really new to the market and it was really close to what I had in, my, in mind, but it was doing it differently. So it was live audio and it was more about meeting other people, chatting with people. It was not more about making content useful for people uh, which are going to, which are not available to chat with that person at that time. They're, so it was about asynchronous audio experience. So I actually, I do market research in two ways. One is desk research. One is user research. The desk research part is the one that I talked about now, which is finding startups reading about the trends here. So I looked into Shrian or I don't know, Podia, course creators, course creating platforms or patronage platforms. And also mostly all startups that were in creator economy. So I researched through it a lot. I think the research took me like three or four months. So I was reading a lot of articles from, I don't know if Legends, she's like a pioneer in the creator economy or any article that I could find on Twitter, on TechCrunch. And also I looked through the startups, their products, their features, and I tried to realize what problem they're solving and if there is a place for me to solve a problem or not. So that was the first one. And the second one was user research. So I tried to talk to people, talk to both people who are not creators and both People who are creators, but they have a really small following and they are doing the, they are creating content, but on wrong platforms like Instagram, you, on Twitter, that is not really usable for people. Like Twitter and Instagram is not a place for looking for experiences. Right. So yeah, it's like a feed, it's a never ending feed that uh, you don't have to focus to, yeah, read that person's experience. So 
we talked to these people and I'm, I'm still keep, I know I'm still talking to these people. It's not an, it's not something that is only for the first stage of your startup. So you always have to talk to people and I sometimes keep forgetting them. <laughs> that, that's the market research part and um, yeah we saw that okay there's opportunities so that's why we started floating and how did you find your software team did you already is it friends did you have to find somebody out of the blue for our team yeah to build the app okay yeah so my sister and i we uh, we joined at first and we did the market research together then we talked to our cousin He's a backend developer. And also we talked to one of our friends. We, we used to work with him. He was our colleague in one of the startups that we worked together. So he joined also as and for designing the app. And also he helped with the front end as well. And also back then, my boyfriend helped us with developing the app, but he's not part of a team. So another friend is helping with uh, structuring the app and we... First, we developed it with SwiftUI and then we developed it with React Native. So I think people that I knew, I think this, these are the best people to just team up with. Not random people you meet at networking events. I don't think it works really well to just do a startup with those kind of people. Yeah, because the toughest thing for most of these early stage startups is when do you lean into friends and family? And then two, how much do you need to even spend? Because a lot of this stuff, pricing is really arbitrary, right? You could talk to 10 people and get 10 different prices and you're like, where do I start? So once you guys built the app and you're ready to launch, give us a little bit about what did you do to launch? That's the other mystery with most of these founders that we chat. What, how do I launch something? Yeah, that's a tricky question because I think we have launched like four or five times for now. I, I, I read it a lot of, I read it in different places and also people like in Y Combinator, they always say that you don't launch once, you have to relaunch it, relaunch your app so that you can find your product market fit. So, but our first launch, it, it was like February 2020, no, 2021, sorry. And it's a bit different for us because we launched in Iran. Even though our product is international, but because we didn't, we don't, we didn't have a network outside of Iran. So it was really hard for us to find like initial customers or early adapters. Right. Uh, yeah. Outside of Iran. So we started to launch in Iran. So uh, the thing that we, do, we did was to find people in our network who, who wanted to create content, but they haven't. They wanted to create YouTube or they wanted to do a podcast, but they didn't have the time or they didn't want to sign up for that hassle of it. So we talked to those people and we found two or three um, people who had an audience on their Instagram, like 10,000 followers. So they were like people that were expert in their field in Iran and they were somehow well-known in their own industry. So, and they wanted to share their experience. So we teamed up with them and we launched with one of them to create a membership group on Flowgene. So she created, I don't know how to name it, but the process was 
She was dropping like two or three voice messages a week. She like created like a challenge for people who wanted to pursue UX design. So she was an expert in UX design and she prompts them with different like homeworks and what to do. And yeah, people also sign up for her program for one month. So it was like a subscription based. Right. They paid like $10 per month. I say dollars, but it's actually in real. So yeah. they equivalent to it in real. And yeah, so she went to that for two months. So we launched with her and it helped us to, I think, acquire 20 or 30 earlier users who signed up for her program. But then the thing that was really help, helpful for us was that my sister and I, we have like an Instagram page. We, we used to share our experience of business design, entrepreneurship, and those kind of stuff. So we had basic following there. 2000 followers and we were sharing Flojin's story before launch. So, mm. uh, that helped us to launch and announce the launch to them. So I think like a hundred or 150 people signed up to Flojin in the first day. So it was a really like big achievement for us, but I also wanted to share a lesson here that when you get compliments from people about your your, I don't know, startup or application, you have to like pay attention to who is giving you that compliment because our Instagram followers, they, they were not, they were not content great. They wanted, they were not that type of person who had that credibility to share their experience and to have an audience to listen to them. So we, we got excited for their compliments, but we got carried away in a way. Yeah. yeah, but they weren't the target market. They weren't the target market, yeah. They were just using the app. They were just testing the app and, yeah, listening to my sister and, I, and myself's voices that we shared on the app. Yeah, that's a good lesson. I think knowing that you have a base to at least test the product, but really, mm -hmm. like you said, knowing where the feedback is coming from is how you keep your ego in check. Exactly, yeah. And can I go back to the pot analogy and changing your environment and things like that. So you've changed your environment. You've moved to Canada two months. You're now living with friends. You're trying to really use this opportunity. What does this new environment give you access to? And the reason why you brought Flojan now to Canada? Yes. So in the past months, I've been trying to apply for incubation programs in Toronto because I want to get into, get into a community which helps me to be ready for fundraising, first of all, and also to uh, help me to find a group of people who are in our target market, who experts who want to share their knowledge, but they haven't found a way to. And because I don't, I don't know like anybody here, so like 10 or 20 people I know who which, which are friends and they're not in tech industry. So I think the first thing that can help me in here in Canada is the network, the community and access to fundings, access to mentors and advisors, because yeah, I haven't really had many mentors, just one of, uh, yeah, just one mentor, I guess that he's in Vancouver. I was introduced to him by, for our, by the acceleration program that we joined 
خود سارا ویزا but yeah the main thing is that I want to join like incubation programs to get access to these networks of people uh, and also to enter the society here because when you are like a startup founder and also here in this in this era that we are working remotely I do not want to sit at home just work by myself I want to get to know people and just feel that I'm working towards something and people are using it so uh, yeah ju- to just uh, so I'm using Canada as a gateway to enter the North American market and also I'm looking for grants that Ontario provides with entrepreneurs but I think that I cannot still use them because I'm like a temporary resident here most of them are available for permanent residents uh, yeah so this is like a gateway for me to not to just because when I was in Iran, I only had access to Iranians as customers because we didn't have a payment system and everything is different there. But when I moved here, now I have like access to anyone internationally, Europe or America or any part of the world because yeah, the acceleration programs provide that as well. The network is really huge, so I can connect to anybody now. That's amazing. I just downloaded the app as you guys were talking. So if you're listening to this podcast, go download because by the time this comes out, I probably have a course. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant idea. I think audio, like you said, is the future. Then it also eliminates the stress. Like not a lot of people want to be on camera. Not a lot of people have time to edit and polish. And I think the world also wants authentic sound bites and not this polished content. So I think you're onto something really clever. Hey, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to your course. <laughs> Shady, we've come basically to the end of our session. I'd like to close it out with one last question. We've just recently introduced that. You know that where, I don't know if you've seen on TV or psychologists, they show you images and they say, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you see the image? I'm going to ask you three different words. And what I'd like you to do in the context of your business, in the context of where you are in your life, I'd like you to tell me what these words conjure up in your mind. So the first word, family and friends. Family and friends are the people that, uh, you know, that you can lean on them, whatever the condition, and you're not going to end up in the streets if you lose everything, if you fail everything. So I think they are, like, yeah, they act as a lean, I don't know how to say that in English, but they act as a, thing that you can lean on whatever the condition yeah that's the thing that comes to my mind excellent a team very difficult to trade with in the first place <laughs> you have to like it's like a relationship that go that you I, yeah work you have to learn each other how each person works and it really gets hard at sometimes but i think without a team uh, i myself couldn't have had had this idea I, we couldn't have this app because I'm not a coder myself. So yeah, the team is making the idea come true. And then my last word for you, entrepreneurship. I think this is, entrepreneurship is the craziest thing that a person can do. But for me, the journey is really interesting. Even if I don't build even a $10 million worth company, I still enjoy the journey. It's really hard sometimes because you are the decision maker at all times. 
But, and it really drives me crazy sometimes because I don't know what's the right thing to do. I have to just try and yeah, try and get to some errors by myself. And yeah, but I, yeah, I still love the journey because I'm learning so much. Yeah, it's a learning journey for me. Absolutely. And yeah, on this base, we actually close out this. I'm going to wish you everything of the best for Flojan. The fact that you've actually picked up your life, moved from Iran to Canada to make this dream works speaks volumes about your personality, about your tenacity, and you're going to make a success of it. And we're going to reach out to you in a year's time, six months time. We're going to say, we want you back so that you can tell us where you've gone with this journey with Flojan. So share it from our side. Thank you. It's been amazing talking to you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jay. It was really nice talking to you guys. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Safish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by Bluemex. For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.